morning, all. You're right. Oh, what's up? Talk to me after. I'm busy at the moment. <laughs> but uh, it's nice to be here with you on Valentine's Day. And uh, I neither gave nor received anything today, but that's because my family are away for Valentine's weekend. No, it's all right. Six Nations is on. I've got through. <laughs> Arguably enjoyed. You know, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, they, they, they are coming back. I said, don't come back too early and demand the telly off. Do you know what I mean? I love you and all that lot, but swing low, sweet chariot. Do you know what I mean? So uh, it's great to be here. We're having a little think about love, say, ah. Uh, nothing there at all, really, is there? We have a little thing about love and about relationships. But don't you agree, like, relationships are really tricky? Now, some of you are a little bit worried because your spouse is next to you or your partner. So everybody close your eyes, right, and now be a little bit more honest. Anybody think relationships are really tricky? Yeah, not that honest, sir. That was a little bit too keen now, yeah. Your eyes are closed, but open them up again. They are really tricky, aren't they? And there's kind of like, I could, I could do with a little bit of help with relationships. And, and to be honest with you, I think like, I'm going to be talking a little bit about relationships and love and kind of partners and husbands and wives. But actually, the, the, the ramifications are much, much broader because I think we live in a world, would you agree, where there's lots of damaged relationships? There's lots of damaged relationships between people, between individuals, between countries, between parts of the, of the globe, a lot of damaged relationships, loads of wars just to really cheer you up this morning, all because of damaged relationships, aren't they? If you bottle it down, that's the story, that's what's happened. So how can we kind of build some good relationships? How can we get something really helpful uh, for our relationships? Well, I have to say to you, I've got some little tips for you this morning because relationships can be tricky. I read this little story. Um, those of you here at the first service, you'll realise I had a little bit of trouble with. It's not going to work again, is it? I said this is. I said this is like the archetype of the Christian world, the till and everything. I actually did get my finger trapped in it in the first service. Anyway, where there's a blame, there's a claim. So. Um, <laughs> Expect that email on Monday morning, Leon. <laughs> Times are hard. <laughs> I read this brilliant story. It was doing the rounds on, I think, on Facebook, actually, uh, around Christmas time, and I loved it. So it said a couple were out shopping on their silver wedding anniversary, and the shopping centre was packed, and as the wife walked around, she was surprised that her husband was nowhere to be seen. Bad lad. On one level. On another level. Well done, fella. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm right. She was a little bit worried because it was supposed to be a special day and they'd planned it for a long time. So she called him on his mobile to ask where he was. In a quiet voice, he said, Do you remember the jewelers we went to five years ago? I do. I do. And do you remember you saw that diamond ring that we couldn't afford? I do. <laughs> do you remember you fell in love with it? I do. <laughs> do you remember I told you that one day when I could afford it, I'd get it you? I do. <laughs> I do remember it. I do remember it. He 
said, good. I'm in the pub next door. Now, <laughs> not the kind of response. Probably a little bit of disappointment kicked in there in the relationship. Might you agree with that? The expectations were risen high as they could be. And all of a sudden, they came down to earth with a thump. It's true though, isn't it? Don't, like, that is the deal, isn't it, with relationships? Like you enter into them and like on your marriage day, you go in and it's all nice, it's lovely. And then it kind of, it just kind of comes down to what my mother used to call the brass tacks. It's like, I don't I never know to this day what she meant by brass tacks. But what I think she meant is you just got to crack on with it. Because relationships are a little bit like that. So I thought this morning, when we were thinking about it, I thought I want to come and bring some advice to the good people of Halesowing and potentially surrounding areas. Now, I'm, not, I'm no expert on relationships. Actually, my wife's not here. I am the world's leading expert on relationships. <laughs> and from the depth of my knowledge, I'm going to pass on to you some of my pearls that have made my marriage what it is today. All down to me, all right? <laughs> so I don't know what you do when you want to find information and help and, and guidance, but I Google Anybody else go to Google? Yeah, you know it. Yeah. So I came across this and it is just simply titled Rules for Relationships. So I'm going to pass on some rules for you today. And I think these will really, really help you. Number one, the female always makes the rules. <laughs> Number two, the rules are subject to change at any time without prior notification. <laughs> Three. No male can possibly know all the rules. <laughs> Number four. If the female suspects that the male knows the rules, she must immediately change some or even all of the rules. <laughs> Number five. The female is never wrong. Number six, if the female is wrong, it is due to a gross misunderstanding of the male. <laughs> Number seven, if the previous rule applies, the male must apologise immediately for causing the misunderstanding. <laughs> Number eight, the female may change her mind at any given point. Number ten, nine. Eight. Number nine, the male must never change his mind without the written consent from the female. Number ten, this time. The female has every right to be angry or upset at any time. Eleven, the male must remain calm at all times unless the female wants him to be angry or upset. Number twelve. The female must, under no circumstances, let the male know whether or not she wants him to be angry or upset. <laughs> Number 13, the female has PMT, all these rules are void. <laughs> Stay. That's now staying in for the rest of the presentation. It's in there. 
Okay, a bit of a chuckle, but actually it would be good, wouldn't it, to know kind of how relationships kind of work. Because we need some guidance, we need some, some rules, we need some principles. Now, I have to say, there's a really well-known reading that if ever you've been to a wedding, you have probably heard this read. This is like the go-to reading for most weddings. It's a reading that people select, it's from the Bible, and it defines what love is all about. The minute I begin to read, you will clock it. Even if you're not familiar with the Bible, I'm sure that you will recognize these words. If those of you who have got Bibles, if you want to follow it, the reference is 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. But it gives us some guidance. It gives us some insight. It's a, it's a little bit like a gauge. You can use this to gauge how good or how poor your love is. It says love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. Now I find that both an inspiration and a challenge. Are you with me? Like if I was to take Mark Greenwood's love and match it up to that level of love, I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to come anywhere near. I'm going to fall drastically short on every single one of those. Anybody else feel a little bit like that as well this morning? It's like, I'm not going to come anywhere near that. But I, I do want to use that as a bit of a gauge, as a little bit of a, a kind of um, a plumb line for me to kind of live up to, to try work towards. And um, I, I want to try and work towards them because it talks about love there. And then in another part of the Bible, it says God is love. So actually you can substitute the word love and put God in there because God is patient, he's kind, he doesn't envy, he doesn't boast, he's not proud. And so it goes on and on and on. And I can look at my relationships. I want to be like that because I love the person. I love Emma, my wife, and I do. But for me, the gauge is like, actually, do you know what? I love God so much that that's what I want to be like in my relationships. And that helps me a little bit. When there's a little bit of an argument, because Emma won't let it go, when we're in that place, <laughs> it's not true, it's also me. When we're in that place, it's like, actually, no, I, God, God's in the equation. And if you look at God, like he is, he is love. It's not like he doesn't do these things. No, he is love. And so these things are part of who he is. And when I look at that, and then when I look at that and think, my goodness me, how committed to God, how committed to me is God? How committed to a relationship with me and God is he when, when I wasn't committed? I mean, that, that's something. Relationships work best not when 50-50, but when 100-100. And uh, I have to say to me, I wasn't 100 in my thoughts about God. I wasn't even 50 in my thoughts about God. But he was 100 with me. He was 100 with you. 
And so as I kind of flick through these things, there's, there's principles in there that because of how God is, they become my inspiration in terms of how I want to be with my relationships. And actually not just my marriage, but with my kids. We've, we've had a, a, a family thing here and all that kicks in with there and friendships and relatives and the people that are around us. And so there's loads of stuff you could pick up on, but I want to say to you three things that really, really helped me. Number one, I tried to put first because love is not self-seeking. That's what it says in there. It's not self-seeking. Now, it's been said that there are seven stages to a married cold. Have we got any marriage with colds this morning? Okay. One or two. (laughs) These are the seven stages of the married code. In the first year, sugar dumpling. I'm really worried about my baby girl. You've got a bad sniffle and there's no telling what could happen. I'm putting you in hospital this afternoon for a general checkup and a good rest. I know the food's lousy, but I'll be bringing you meals from Pizza Bella or Bella Pasta or TGI Fridays or whatever you like, kebab shops. I've already sorted it all out. First year. Second year. Listen, darling. I don't like the sound of that cough. I've called the doctor to rush over here straight away. Now you go to bed like a good girl. Year three. Maybe you better lie down, love. Nothing like a little rest when you feel lousy. I'll bring you some soup later. Have we got any cans of soup? Fourth year. Now look, lass. Be sensible. After you've fed the kids, got the tissues done and the floor finished, you better lie down. Fifth year. Why don't you just take a couple of aspirin? Have you been there? Sixth year. I wish you'd just gargle or something instead of sitting around and barking like a seal all evening. That's relating to a lot more of you, you miserable lot. Seventh year, for Pete's sake, stop sneezing, woman. Are you trying to give me pneumonia? Does that resonate? It isn't easy, is it? It's like in the early days to keep putting each other first. It is easy, isn't it? But you know, like as challenges come in and like you have the arguments and like the general kind of run of the mill of life kicks in and the honeymoon has long time worn off. It's like it's, it becomes more of a decision, does it not? It becomes more of a choice, more of a challenge, actually. And we often stop putting each of the first. We often think, oh, what's most important for me in this relationship? And we're surrounded by a world that's like that, that by and large is often putting its own agendas first. Somebody once said, when a man opens the car door for his wife, either the car is new or his wife is. It's true, isn't it? Because they can slam them doors, can't they? <laughs> oh, ears vibrating and everything. And we do, we, we live in that kind of world. But you know what? Even though we live in that kind of world, where we don't always put each other first, the Bible tells me that God puts us first. Why? Because he is love. And because love is not self-seeking. Now, how can we gauge just how important we are to a person. You know, it's about, it's about Valentine's Day today. You know, you might, you might gauge by how important you are to the person by what they do for you. That, that might be a helpful gauge. 
Um, if they do something that's pretty easy, you might just think, I would just mark in the moment. If they did something sacrificial for you, w- would you think they would, oh, they, they love me. Would that be, that would be a good gauge? Agreed? We, yeah. What about, what about if they gave up something that was so important to them, that's something that they really wanted to do, somewhere they really wanted to go, and they, and, and they gave that up and put you first rather than what they want, that would feel pretty impressive, would it not? Yeah, that would be amazing. What about, what about if, if, if they were supposed, if they were going to give up seeing a particular person or friend to see you, that would make a big statement because you guys saying they're putting me before this person. That'd be a pretty good gauge of love, wouldn't you agree? Because they're not self-seeking. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to say to you, God has given us a gauge. He's given us an idea of just how important we are to him, just how much he loves us, just how much he's not self-seeking and is purely about us. And he's done it in the best way possible. He has given up someone who is really important to him, someone who he really loves, someone who he's been with forever and ever and ever. And he says to you and me, I love you so much that I'm willing to give up him because I want to connect with you. Would you agree that that is incredible love? The Bible says to me that when we didn't want anything to do with God, I mean, if you're going to give up for somebody, if you're going to give up something for somebody who wants to be with you, that's incredible. But giving up something for somebody who doesn't want to be with you, I mean, that's just madness, isn't it? That's just crazy love, that is. But the Bible says when we didn't want to be with God, when we were doing our own thing, when we were doing things wrong, when we were doing things that were against what God wanted, when we lived our lives without him, he was so committed to us to expressing his love that he gave up somebody to show just how important we are. I find that incredible. It's what the Bible says. It says, what God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were yet still in our wrong, Christ died for us. God put us before Jesus. He's, he's not self-seeking. It's incredible. I try to forgive wrong because love keeps no record of wrongs. That's hard, isn't it? You know, like when somebody upsets you, it, it's, it's quite hard to forget. It's quite hard to forgive. It's quite hard to forget. I've got this little story and it's one of those stories where there's a little gap between the kind of initial burst of people that get it and then the, the next burst of people that get it. So I'll read it to you. It's apparently a true story. don't know whether it is or not. There is a story told of a young country lass who married a stern farmer many years ago. As they were driving back to the farm after the wedding, the horse stumbled. That's once, said the farmer. A little further on, the horse stumbled again. That's twice, said the farmer. At a creek crossing, the horse stumbled a third time, severely shaking the carriage. That's three times, the farmer growled. And he reached under his seat, he took out his gun, and he shot the horse dead on the spot. The bride protested. Darling, don't you think that was a bit drastic? It wasn't the poor horse's fault. The farmer looked at his bride and said, that's once. (laughs) You got it. 
It's coming. Well, like I can, I can forgive people generally once. Yeah, Gem generally. I can forgive somebody once. You know, if they've upset me, oh, I'm really sorry, Mark. It's all right, don't make a thing of it. Don't make a thing, it's no problem. No, I'm really sorry. All right, chill out. We're all good. Don't you get up with, head up with people that apologise too much, all right? Yeah. If they do it again, I can cope. They're saying I'm sorry, I'm thinking, you said that last time. You didn't mean it, clearly. All right. So I'm good on two. One, I'm, I'm pretty good at. Two, I think I'm good at. Three, it's like, do you know what I mean? It's like, you're not sorry. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I've, I've three times now. You're not, you're not sorry. If you're sorry, change it. If you're really that sorry. It's like, so forgiveness is, it's easy to do for the first time. To keep forgiving, would you agree that that's hard? If somebody keeps doing something wrong to you, would you agree that that's really, really hard? I mean, I'm sure there'll be people here today, all right, and you've had things done to you, and even the thought of trying to forgive people is impossible. Because forgiveness, it's a hard thing. This is, this is the challenge for me that I find. Love keeps no record of wrongs. That's like, not only forgive, but don't store it up. Now that's an inspiration, but that's a challenge. Are you with me? I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not coming to you as somebody who's nailed this, okay? That's an inspiration, but that's really a, a real challenge. Keeps no record of wrongs. I don't know what you do when you're angry. Well, let's have a little survey. When you're angry, who kicks things? Okay, great, all right. Hands down. When you're angry, who punches cuddly toys? Uh, are you going to put your hand up for everything? All right. That's good. That's good. When you're angry, who murmurs? There's a lot of murmuring going on. There's a lot of murmuring going on. All right. When you're angry, who just goes, like, quiet? Yeah. Like, I thought I could take the kicking. I can take the murmuring. Can't take the quiet, can you? I go quiet, so I don't know why I'm saying it. It's like... Emma says to me, are you all right? Hmm? <laughs> 16 weeks later, <laughs> are you all right? Mm. 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 Have I upset you? Mm. <laughs> all right. Jesus loves us, I love your forgiveness. All right. It's a challenge, isn't it? It's a massive challenge. Slamming a door, who slammed a door? Slamming doors are good, but choose the right door. You see that door there with that little arm on it? No good for slamming. <laughs> yeah. They're no good. When you slam one of theirs, doors, right? That'll learn you, eh? Got to choose the right door. Top tip number one for Valentine's Day. Choose the right door to slam. Good advice. 
Somebody once said an ideal marriage is a deaf husband and a blind wife. Now, I think I kind of agree on some levels, but actually, no, I don't. You know, what is the best kind? Do you know the best kind of relationship is where you hear all the failures, you see all the failures, you don't stack them up, and you forgive. That's really, that's really, really the best kind of relationship. And we live in a world where, you know, we, we, we see failures and we hear people's failures and they stack up. Actually, we should be able to see everything, hear everything and forgive. Because do you know what? When I actually analyse how much God has forgiven the world of, there is nothing really that is too big for me to extend forgiveness. Now, I'm not saying this as I mentioned to somebody who's nailing this. I'm saying this is my inspiration. This is what I believe in my head. But it's a challenge. Why? Because we live in a world that doesn't really forgive particularly well. But the Bible tells me that God sees and forgives everything. This, this sentence of the Bible I love, all right? It says, I will, this is God speaking, I will forgive their wickedness and remember their wrong no more. He didn't say, I'll forget it. He says, I am choosing not to remember. When I forget something, that's passive. She's gone out of my head. No decision involved there. When I choose not to remember, that's an action. That's a decision I make. It's like the next step along. I saw this lovely little picture years ago. Anybody that's been in the church for a number of years may remember this massive picture of this kind of this ocean. And it's called the Sea of Forgetfulness. And it's got this image of God throwing all the things that you and I have done, all the wrong stuff. He's throwing it into that sea. And on the side, there's a little sign that says no fishing. It's like he throws everything into that sea of forgetfulness and puts a no fishing sign. Why? Because he forgives and he's chosen not to remember. You see, there's a reason why God has forgiven. And there's a reason why he's chosen not to remember. And this is it. It's very, very simple. It's cost him the life of the one that he loved more than anything apart from you and me. When God gave up the life of his son, Jesus... When Jesus came into planet Earth, that was God saying, look, I love you. I care for you. I'm not self-seeking. I'm putting you first. And I'm going to show you how much I love you by forgiving you wrong. And when you look at the life of Jesus, when he was born and he walked around, you can read it in the Bible. He, he, he lived that stuff. That was all he ever did. He came to liberate people and free them. He didn't come to judge them. No, he came to liberate them. And give them life. Life in all its fullness, the Bible tells us. The way he dealt with the thing that stops us having a friendship with God, that wrong in our lives, the way he can forgive us and, and choose not to remember is because he dealt with it. It's easy to not remember things and forgive when it gets dealt with. And when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible tells me that was God dealing with the wrong in your life and the wrong in my life. Because he loves us. What I also love is the fact that three days after he died, he came back alive so that every one of us can live, not just be forgiven, but actually live. I mean, that, that shows how much he's forgiven us. That he's not just saying, okay, I'll forget about it. I'll choose not to remember. That's all right. No, he said, new start. Have you heard the phrase, wiping the slate clean? That's essentially what happened. He wiped the slate clean 
I just think it's absolutely phenomenal. So love is a challenge, but it can also be an inspiration. It's, uh, it's not self-seeking. It keeps no record of wrongs. And finally, I try to accept the blame because love is not proud. If you're going to take the blame for maybe your part in an argument, you've, you've, got, to, you've got to not be proud, haven't you? Because that, that, that is really hard. I'm not going to lie to you. I struggle with that one quite a lot. In fact, I love it when my wife says, I'm sorry I was wrong. Because that really liberates me to say, you were bang right, love, you were wrong. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't. But it's, it's hard, isn't it? it and I'm, I'm a bit, I'm giving him a best shot, but I am a bit poor on this one. But you know what? Actually, in taking the blame, in accepting that we might have had something in the relationship that's broken, it might have been partly us that's caused it. That means we can do something to build relationship, but I can also do something to destroy relationships. There's a lot in my power. I read this great story of a woman who was suffering from depression. So her husband took her along to a psychiatrist. The doctor listened to the couple talk about their relationships. Then he said, the treatment I prescribed, it's really quite simple. With that, he went over to the man's wife and gave her a massive kiss on the lips. He stepped back and looked at the woman's glowing face and broad smile. Turning to the woman's husband, he said, see, that's all she needs to put new life back into her. Expressionless, the husband said, okay, doctor, I can bring her in on Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> I think the bloke had kind of missed the point, don't you? And what the doctor was trying to say was actually you can do something about this. You can do something to bring to this relationship, but you can also do something to take away from this relationship. Never overlook when it may be your fault, but never overlook when you can actually do something about the state of the relationship. A brave man once said, every man needs a wife because there are many things he cannot blame on the government. <laughs> now, I like to blame the government for a lot at the moment, but we're not going to go there because that's political. But it's like, we, we're good, aren't we? Don't you think we're really good at looking for somebody else? Well, if you hadn't have done this, or if this hadn't have happened, or if this had been different, or like, well, you said this on it. We're really good at that because the thing we want to do as human beings, when we feel we're in the wrong, we, we want to defend ourselves. But we need to acknowledge that actually we can do something to bring health and wholeness to a relationship as much as we can do something to take that away. We live in a world where generally we're not very good at accepting, at accepting the blame. But you know what? God saw our failures. He didn't just forgive us, ladies and gentlemen. He took it on himself. Now, like, if I accept the blame, right, there's, you know, I'm going to do that because there's, there's a good chance I've contributed because I'm weak and I get it wrong. But the Bible tells me that he who'd done no wrong, never done anything, he who was pure and perfect and without any kind of evil in him, he took the whole of our evil, our wrong as a world on himself. That's incredible. 
I, I, I find it hard to, to take the blame. And, and, and there's a good chance I mentioned I'd done something. There's a good chance it was my fault. And I struggle with that. How, how incredible is God's love for humanity that even though he knew he'd done nothing wrong, he put it all on Jesus and Jesus took it all for us. He took our blame. Ladies and gentlemen, God is committed to a healthy relationship with you and with me. He puts us first. He forgives our wrong and he accepts our blame. And all as he asks back from us, very simple, to love him with everything that we've got and to love our neighbour as ourselves. And he does that fully aware that we're going to mess it up. But all God wants is for every one of us to arrive at a point in life where we say, God, I want to love you with everything. My wife will be due back at about five o'clock. So long as the Six Nations has finished, I'll let them in. <laughs> and she'll come in and I'll say, I've missed you. Yeah, we've missed you too. Love you. Yeah, I love you too. It's great to have you back. All joking aside, it's great to have you back. Yeah, it's great to be back. Love you with everything I've got. Yeah, love you with everything I've got. She's going to be really underwhelmed when I open the door if I say, love you with all my heart. No, she's going to be overwhelmed with that. Underwhelmed if I say, love you with half of it. She's going to be a bit disappointed. It's not really a healthy relationship, is it? God wants us to have a healthy relationship with him. And all God wants is for you today to say yes to him. Saying yes to God simply means you say, actually, God, yeah, I, I don't want to live my life without you anymore. I want to live it with you. Yeah. Saying yes to God means that we say, I don't fully understand it all, but I want to thank you for the forgiveness that's in Jesus. And saying yes to God means that with his help, we turn away from living life without him and we turn and live life with him. God's committed to a healthy relationship to you. Will you enter in to a healthy relationship with him? Let's pray, shall we? Musicians are going to come and just play um, for us in the background just to, to help us reflect and to help us think for a few moments. And then at the end of this little section here, um, they'll lead us off with our final song. But God is calling you today to say yes to you, yes to him. He's literally appealing to you, saying, just say yes to me. And all it takes is one heartfelt yes. One heartfelt yes. As I mentioned, saying yes to God is simply saying, yeah, God, I know I've done wrong. And with, with your help, I'm going to stop doing that. Saying yes to God simply means thanking Jesus for his death and that he came back alive. Saying yes means that you're going to turn with his help and follow him and do life with him and not without him. And God wants you today to enter into a healthy relationship with him where you understand how much you mean to him. If you're here today and you've never ever said yes to God, then right where you are now, why don't you just say yes to him not out loud 
but just in the quietness and the stillness of your own heart and mind. Just say, yes, God. Yes, God. By uttering those words in that still quiet place of your heart and mind, God will hear it. He's already said yes to you. He'll hear your yes and you'll start this wonderful journey with him just where you are now. Say yes to God. Not out loud, but just in the stillness and quiet. Yes, God. Yes, God. might be that you're here today and you're saying to me, Mark, I can't say that yes, that big yes to God. But I do need to look into this Christianity stuff. It might be that something that's happened today has stirred you up a little bit. It might be some of the stories and of friends that have invited you here today and you know about their faith and it's intrigued you. Maybe something that you've heard or experienced today has made you go, do you know what? I need to look into this. I wonder whether you could say what I call a little yes. A big yes is committing your life to God, but saying a little yes is essentially becoming really intentional on looking in to the Christian faith. It might be that you're saying a little yes to God or, or not even to God. It might be that you're just saying it to yourself, but you're making a decision to really look into this. You're not making any commitment to become a Christian. You're just saying, I've got to investigate this. I've got to look into this. And I wonder whether you today... You might not say a big yes, but you could say that little yes. Why don't you just say that in your own mind and heart? It might be to God, it might not, it might just be simply to yourself. But just say, come on Dave, Sarah, whatever your name is. I'm saying that little yes to to finding out more, to really digging deep and looking into and finding out what it's really all about. Why don't you just say where you are in the stillness and quietness of your own heart and mind. I'm saying a little yes. Use those words. I'm saying a little yes. Might be that you're here today and you're saying to me, Mark, I'm not really ready to say a big yes or even a little yes. But maybe you might be thinking there's something in this Christianity. Maybe, maybe there's something in it. Maybe there's just a bit of intrigue in there. And so you'd find yourself today, whether it's today or even in previous days and weeks and months, maybe, maybe there's something in this. Well, I'm going to ask you to turn that maybe into what I call a healthy maybe. Where you just make a little commitment and say, I've got to look into it. You're not making this big, massive, in-depth decision to really get to grips and look into it. But you are say, actually, I'm going to stay open-minded. It's a commitment to stay open-minded. Maybe in your own heart and mind, you could say, I'm saying a healthy maybe today. Just where you are. Big yes, little yes, healthy maybe. This is my prayer for you. Father God, I pray for anybody here today, whether they've said a big yes to you this morning, whether they've said a little yes, whether it's to you or to themselves, or a simple healthy maybe. I pray that you would show them who you are and help them to understand as they kind of journey through life and faith. I pray this in Jesus' name.